Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. It's recording. The little dots don't go away. I know. I'm sorry. I just thought since Jerry was replacing me, he was going to introduce us tonight. But I, forget. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, I guess I'll just take it as a guest please, on my own show. Please leave that in. Please. I, I'm, please. I'm going to. That's Let that be the blooper at the end. <laughs> uh, Welcome back to another Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast. The podcast is Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. Uh Grievance. It is the podcast that has determined to keep the spirit of Festivus alive 365 days a year. I have a grievance too. It is 366 days per year. Thank you. And I'm Anthony and I've lost control start. of my own show. <laughs> I'm Tom. I'm Julia. <laughs> and I'm Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's back again. He went through the rotation and he has landed on Tissa Podcast once again. <laughs> <laughs> and Unfortunately for you listeners, Jerry has been on the, op- on the podcast so many times that we are no longer on our best behavior for him. <laughs> <laughs> and despite his very best efforts to slide in and steal my spot, I'm still here as well. Sorry to whoever sent that email. Oh my gosh. That's the witch. Reading that which email. <laughs> both my co hosts and Jerry kept hidden from me until one of them let it slip on Facebook. I was waiting for you to read it, but you didn't. I didn't. <laughs> and yet, big joke. Big joke. But you know what, y'all? As much as I am in a fighting mood this evening, I'm not in that bad a mood because it's Christmas Eve Eve. It's December 23rd. That's exciting. It's September 17th, Anthony. It's December 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve. Or to our Newfoundland listeners, as we heard in our traditions episode, Tibbs Eve. Oh, I think it's pronounced Newfoundland. I really want to experience Tibbs Eve in person sometime. One day, come up with us for the holidays. It would be fun. It would be very fun. So Santa's coming in two days. That's exciting. Yay. Gary, thanks Went for taking too time. Fast. <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. I mean, you look out the window, it still feels like kind of like fall, almost summer like. Yeah, actually. I mean, like it doesn't even feel like it should be here yet. I know. <laughs> but alas, here we are. And we are bringing you this very special bonus episode in your main feeds because not only is it Christmas Eve Eve or Christmas Adam or Tibbs Eve or whatever y'all want to call it, it's also Festivus. So we wanted to bring y'all a Festivus for the rest of us. We are covering the Seinfeld Christmas episodes slash Festivus episode, which is why Jerry is joining us tonight. 
Why don't we do histories before going through the credits of the show and everything? And Jerry, you can kick us off. Why did you want to join us for Seinfeld? <laughs> so um, I remember watching Seinfeld from the pilot. My dad wanted to watch it. He had seen him so many times on several talk shows. He liked Jerry Seinfeld's uh, style. And so I pretty much grew up with Seinfeld, which is kind of cool. You know, going through junior high and high school. And I was a uh, part of a big group of friends. It was about 20 of us that you know we'd all hang out <clears throat> and it was it was one of those things where like after Seinfeld would air we'd all you know in the mornings before school started we'd all be hanging out and we'd just be quoting Seinfeld you know it was just it's it's funny I like his style I loved his uh his other show uh writing you know comedians in cars getting coffee it's, it's also pretty oh, awesome I love his stand up you know I'm telling it for the last time um just his whole everything about him I really enjoyed and the show, I mean, was so funny. People were quirky. They were uh, neurotic. They, <laughs> they were manic. They just, everything about it was, uh, I, I don't know. It just it really appealed to my South Texas friends and, and I. So, yeah, just one of those things that I, as soon as it came out, I was, I was involved in it and I, I stayed. And I think it's kind of fitting that the show ended the year I graduated high school. Like it was just perfect <laughs> don't you love when things like that end. happened <laughs> yeah the harry potter books ended the year i graduated high school and then the movies ended the year i graduated college so i always felt special because i was leaving these big milestones in my life the same time as harry was nice. you all think you're special anthony <laughs> man did any of- in rare form tonight julia anthony did y'all have any shows in high school that uh you would get together and talk about with your friends the next day the Office started when I was in Ooh. high school. So Saturday Night Live was, was another one. one. Sorry to interrupt, but oh yeah, Saturday Night Live was a good one. Mine was The X Files, and then Friends took me into college. Also, my sophomore year of high school, every Thursday morning, our teacher would give us twenty minutes or whatever to talk about uh, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you mentioning remember Dawson's that. Creek. Yep, that was that was my. That was my thing. I'm not really sure why. I don't know that any of us actually liked it. It was just a, you know. <laughs> I feel pretty confident it started out as an ironic thing. <laughs> the huge one for us was The Office, the end of high school, those last tail end years. Season three was airing graduation. That was when The Office was at its peak, its early seasons. Like peak popularity. So everyone watched it. Tom, I'm going to be the uh, teacher so for me. who calls on. Yes, I was about to. I'm going to be the teacher who calls on the student texting and say, "Tom, please answer <laughs> the question next." And you're going to be that obnoxious student who gives me an answer, even though you weren't paying attention. That's yeah, me. Absolutely. That is me. Yes, Mr. Right, Caruso. Um, <laughs> I wasn't really into Seinfeld. I'm not a Seinfeld lover. It's okay. It's something that's been on the background and part of my life, but. Um, yeah, I'm just not, I've never really, it's never really clicked with me. I do like other stuff that Jerry Seinfeld does, but I don't like Jerry Seinfeld in Seinfeld. 
He is definitely the weakest link of the show. He is. Yeah, because yeah, he's not an that. actor. He's a comedian. and yeah. so, You can tell right. in 99% of the episodes he's going to break during certain scenes with the other characters. Yeah, Which that part's not what bothers me. I just didn't like his character either. Like, this... None of it really clicked and resonated well with me. You look at the other... You look at the other... Um, actors like uh, michael what's his last name richards mm-hmm. michael richards you know um jason, jason alexander, alexander uh julia louis dreyfus thank you i'm i'm not firing yeah. on all cylinders right now julia louis dreyfus and they just had uh they were such they their 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 acting ability and the even the the way they they were written was a lot stronger than jerry seinfeld but i'm with you i like his comedians and cars thing he does on netflix that's yeah. fun and just hearing him talk about life, like whether he's doing stand-up or just even on like uh, when he when he was, I've seen back in the day several of his his late night things when he was on, you know, Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Fallon, any of those, um, mm-hmm. David Letterman back in the day, and he was always really funny. He just seems like a cool guy, but for some reason, I could never click with with Seinfeld. I think I cool. I have theories as to why later on. But there but there are parts of Seinfeld and and things from Seinfeld like Festivus has always been hilarious to me. I love the soup Nazi. <laughs> oh, um, of course, yeah, the envelope licking to this oh. day my mother-in-law <laughs> forbids in- anybody from licking envelopes. Rest in peace Susan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which by the way, I'm just going to say that right now. I forgot like going back to the early episode of Seinfeld we watched for this episode. I forgot George was on and off again with Susan for so long. Mm-hmm. The show yeah. Was. Yeah. And I really anyway. didn't like the Jerry Elaine romance stuff either. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when it, it first came the... out, I was like, oh, I kind of like them together. But as the show progressed, it was like, no, I'm glad they're not together. Mm-hmm. For me, it's kind of the anti-Ross and Rachel thing, right? Or the Jim and Pam thing. I don't want them to get together. Julia, how about you? Um, I don't really like Seinfeld. Uh, the show doesn't really make me laugh, and I haven't seen I haven't seen anything else Seinfeld's done besides the show, and then some stand up, and it's just not my it's not my bag of tricks. So I'm gonna be the downer tonight. <laughs> but it it's just not a show I grew up with. Um, my parents, I don't think think he's funny either, um, and so that probably has a lot to do with it, right? It it wasn't mm-hmm. on in the house and it wasn't you know lauded as hilarious by anybody in my family and so i just didn't have the exposure probably at the right time um, i'm interested to hear your theory anthony it probably <laughs> is gonna is gonna you know corral me into the group of not liking it and why um some of it with the show goes back to i don't like watching stuff where i don't love at least one character um, and none of the characters appeal to me. So um, there are definitely some funny moments. I remember um, in college when getting sound bites and songs in unsavory ways was very, very, <laughs> very popular on campus, particularly. Um, I had a sound clip, and I don't even know which episode it's from, but it's about the magic loogie. You know that it oh, travels. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> like the I have that. Keith, yeah. Keith Hernandez. That's yeah. right. And I remember that sound clip always making me laugh, but I couldn't tell you what episode that was from. So um, in isolated incidents, it's funny, but as, uh, overall, I don't ever go to that show. What about you, Anthony? Best for last, right? Well, I wanted to start positive with Jerry and end positive with me. That's why I put you guys <laughs> in the middle. Well done. Uh, it's strategic. 
<laughs> uh, I love this show. This show if it's probably my favorite show ever. If I had to be pinned down to one show, if I had it to, works. it would be a toss up. You between... know, Festivus doesn't end until we pin you. <laughs> <laughs> it would, it would either be Seinfeld or Larry David's other future endeavor, career enthusiasm. Mm, that's a good Which, one. I like that, that one. That it, oh, good. We can have you on for that Christmas one, too. <laughs> I'm not alone for that one, either. Uh, um, so, not to show my age thing, for people who have your bingo cards, you can cross that off early this episode. <laughs> but uh, Seinfeld ended in 98. Yes. So, I was third grade? Maybe. Mm. Baby child. That one hurt. It just weaned. <laughs> And I remember the potty. No, it's only nine years, but when you say it like that, it hurts. (laughs) And I remember the finale was the first episode I ever saw. Really? Like, really? Live. The clip show that predated it and then that premiered before it and the finale. And I remember it was a huge deal. Like, countrywide not just new york but new mm-hmm. york was a huge deal they showed on all the screens in times square you know they had mm-hmm. all these viewing parties all over the city tv land didn't air anything for the two hours that seinfeld aired that night they just showed a blank door on their screen with a note saying we're tv fans going to watch the seinfeld finale be back at 10 or whatever oh my gosh nice and there was actually a mad about you episode the following year where uh it takes place the night of the Seinfeld finale, and because they know everyone's going to be indoors watching it, they t- want to go out and fulfill their fantasy of having sex in public because no one will be around. <laughs> so they use that <laughs> as a premise for one of their episodes. <laughs> um, so, like, the finale was like this big cultural event. And I remember that from like a young age. And I remember actually in the Northeast, in New York, where it was probably the most popular. There was a blackout five minutes from the end of that finale. And it caused such an outrage because for those of you who don't know, the finale had them in court for all their misdeeds. And it was right when the judge was about to read the verdict and you were going to find out the four of them would end up in jail. Boom, blackout. And everyone was annoyed, especially because when it aired live, the finale wasn't well received, probably because... It was essentially a clip show that came after a clip show. <laughs> so, oh. But yeah, so I loved the finale. I loved the clip show. I remember, you know, that Green Day song that was later dubbed the Seinfeld song because they used it at the end of that clip show, you know, Time of Your Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, afterwards, I just always watched the replay. Good riddance. Yes. Yeah. Good riddance. Not time of your life. Good riddance, parentheses, time of your life, if you look at the actual song on iTunes. Correct. But the title is Good Riddance. Good riddance, would... parentheses, time of your life. But it's not time of your life. You, you would never say the parentheses and ignore the actual title. It's a disrespect. Anyway, so I remember... It's a big respect to, to Green Day that I will not tolerate adding this to the list of grievances. <laughs> anyway, I remember watching. It's fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Billy J- Billy Joe deserves better, Anthony. Billy Joe deserves better. Anthony deserves better. So anyway, <laughs> said no one ever. Oh please. So anyway, I'm glad this is our last episode with Anthony. <laughs> Are you done? 
Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, after the finale, I caught all the, you know, I would always watch the reruns. Uh, I got the DVDs when they came out. I, you know, I ended up getting them on Blu-ray afterwards and then digital. I just, I love this show. And I think out of all these New York-based shows, Seinfeld and Friends and How I Met Your Mother and all these ones with similar premises, Seinfeld is probably the most New York. <laughs> Seinfeld's like New York, the New York, like if you wanted uh, some kind of analogy, Friends is like tourism New York and Seinfeld's the New York New Yorkers know and live every day. And I think that might be part of the reason why like you, Julia, you, Tom, like Friends better, where so many, where it is kind of the split between a lot of people, between Seinfeld and Friends. And I think it is people in the Northeast, specifically the tri-state area, love Seinfeld more because it is the New York they're more familiar with, whereas Friends is more mainstream New York, if that makes sense. I think that's definitely Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So Anthony, are you saying that you are the, the, the one who bridges the gap between the two? Do you bring these two worlds together? I do bring the two worlds together. I'll say this. When I was, when I was younger, <laughs> Kramer was always my favorite. The older, the older yeah. I get, man, I am George. I am you are George, George in every, As I was watching George. it, I was every thinking, respect. Anthony, yeah. It yeah. is me to a T. I'm really glad you said that. Because <laughs> I exactly wanted to say it, but I, I thought that you might get offended by that. because No, no I know I'm George. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's and it's actually. I mean, this watch rewatching these just realist re um, reiterated my love of Jason Alexander as an actor. He's the fact a really that he was able to, the fact that he and Jerry Stiller could do what they did together <laughs> on stage, and you know, you see those scenes where Jerry Seinfeld is next to them laughing and trying to like. It's you. You can see there are several scenes I remember throughout the show when when the, when Jerry when uh, Jerry Stiller and Jason Alexander are together where you see Jerry Seinfeld turn his head away from the camera. You yeah. never see people turn their head away from a camera on a sitcom, so it, stuck, it sticks out. I don't um, know, those two guys are comedic geniuses. But <laughs> I love Jerry Stiller. <laughs> but whatever, whatever y'all think of oh, Seinfeld, though, it was a cultural touchstone. It Absolutely. affected a lot mm -hmm. of people. Actually, there's this really good book, and I forget what it's called, but it's basically just transcribed interviews with a bunch of comedians. Um, you know, American comedians, international comedians, like spanning from like the 60s to modern day ones. And Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld always came up as like their gold standards when they asked like, who inspires you now? And uh, Jerry, you watch Curb? Have you seen all of Curb? I haven't seen, seen the Seinfeld no, no. season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he wants no, to do that the one reunion. I, I did not see. Um, that's when I did not have HBO and I just never... Yeah, so I think that's the closest we'll ever get to a reunion. NBC always wants to bring it back for a reunion. They keep saying no, but yeah, I think Larry yeah. found the way to do it by doing it within his show. <laughs> but I love how they could just make fun of themselves. Like when he's trying to get them all back together over the course of the season to do a reunion, they're like, oh, it'd make up for the finale. And Larry's like, there's nothing to make up for. What are you talking about? There's nothing to make up for. I don't have to apologize for anything. <laughs> and, uh, Jason Alexander is just so funny on that show as himself, too. He plays a really douchey version of himself. He's like, George was unlikable. He's a jerk. And everyone knows George is based on Larry David. So Larry's just always staring at him like, I don't think he was that unlikable. And like, it's really funny. Jason Alexander <laughs> always plays the douchey role. 
So oh, I mean, I think that's part of who he is. So there is only one episode of Seinfeld in which he is not in. And after that episode aired, he went up to Jerry and Larry. It was like early on, season two, mm-hmm. season three. And he said, yeah. if you ever write me out an episode again, I'll leave the show because I'll find a show that doesn't write me out of episodes. And after that, they never wrote him out again. So but I think that's Alexander just... really is really is a is that way. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's just playing himself. But I just remember how sleazy he was in Pretty Woman and Yep. Just I never liked him ever. Still I've never seen that movie. That's <laughs> well, a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. I wanna let yeah. him watch it as a kid. I still feel like I shouldn't be allowed to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> he was also Not- the uh the trash magazine editor in uh Blank Man. Do you remember Blank Man? Damon Wayans? Yeah. Yep. He was a weird friend with the tail in Shallow Hell. That's right. <laughs> We've covered him on the show before, too, which we'll get to in a second when we go through the cast. But yeah, I love Seinfeld. Like, y'all who know me over through this podcast over the course of these three years know I love The Office and know everything about The Office and quote it. Like, I know Seinfeld like 20 times The Office. Like, this show is just a huge part of my existence. And like, That's what she said. <laughs> I had to throw one in. I'm sorry. I didn't give it enough first, oomph. It's just, but you know, the first just, one out of the gate is from from <clears throat> Jerry D. <laughs> okay, so you, just, you mentioned the office so many times. I figured someone's got to say it. Yeah, yeah, we were due. So let's run through the main cast and credits real quick. Uh, the show is re- created and directed and written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. The brains behind this. The cast stars Jerry Seinfeld as Jerry Seinfeld, who is mostly known for playing Jerry Seinfeld. Elaine Bennis, his ex-girlfriend, is played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus, who we've mm-hmm. covered on this show before multiple times. She was in Christmas Vacation as Margot. <laughs> uh, we covered her on Veep. Uh, Tom's mentioned her multiple times. The old Christine. Uh, mm-hmm. New Adventures of Old Christine. Do they and have Christmas real- episodes? I don't know. But she's really the only one of the four who really went on to have a really major career after Seinfeld. And like a successful, mm-hmm. like critically lauded one at that. Jason Alexander, we've covered on the show before as well, in the Christmas Carol musical, in which he played Marley. On Seinfeld, he plays Jerry's best friend since childhood, George Costanza. <laughs> who uh, Can't stand you. <laughs> I think in a lot of ways he's probably the most iconic from the show. Him or Kramer. Him and Kramer I would say Kramer's more iconic, man. I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but come on. I mean, Kramer. Everybody knows the big entrance with Kramer. I think that's the big like entr- the, he's like the biggest icon there. I remember. So Michael Richards plays Kramer, whose first name is Cosmo, which we don't find out until five seasons in. But he plays Cosmo Kramer. But I remember a few years ago in New York, the Seinfeld pop-up apartment showed up. They did one with friends too. Pop-up Central Perk showed up and you could go and tour the replicas of the sets and everything. And the set of Jerry's apartment, you know, there's a line to get in, get your picture or whatever. But everyone would try to attempt the Kramer entrance. And one guy was so enthusiastic, he broke the door off the set. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is enthusiastic. That's that's amazing. But yeah, so Seinfeld, let's get into the episodes. Tom, do you want to kick us off with the first one? I can do that. Our first episode comes in season three. It's episode 12, back in 1991. 
called The Red Dot. And in this episode, Elaine gives George a job at Pendant Publishing, and as his way of saying thank you, he buys her this this cashmere sweater for Christmas. What he doesn't hope she'll notice is that it has been heavily discounted because there's a tiny red dot on it. As we know with Seinfeld, the smallest red dot is going to be made into a nuclear issue. (laughs) Jerry accidentally helps uh, Elaine's office romance dick fall off the wagon. <laughs> this is uh, this episode is, has, uh, has our first appearance of Elaine's boss, Mr. Lippman, who's played by Richard Fancy. Yeah, and then this episode, his name was different. He was called Mr. Breckman instead, which is interesting. Hmm. Well, just like in the pilot, Kramer was called Kessler and not Kramer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been weird. Yeah, they had changed it because Larry David's real neighbor was called Kramer, and he thought he would sue. And then they just asked him if they could use the name. And he said, sure. And then the real Kramer started a Kramer bus tour, which then yeah, Larry David that. took and turned into an episode of Seinfeld, <laughs> episode, where Kramer yep. started a Kramer bus tour. <laughs> but, uh, Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, that was a good episode. <laughs> that, His life that. is just an episode of Seinfeld's like Inception. Seinfeld it is a show about nothing, so it makes it is sense. A, like, it is a show about nothing. And that was it. they had cardinal rules in writing the show. The show about nothing. Write Elaine like one of the boys. They don't want her to be a prissy girl. No hugging, no learning was their motto, which I know is the thing that <laughs> irks Julia the most. And uh, although oh, it's no funny, hugging, no learning. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny. That also if, means no Linus moment, by the way. That directly translates into no Linus moment. Debatable. Debatable, uh, my butt. <laughs> we'll I got get a grievance. Oh! <laughs> is your grievance? Where's, does your where's president hot dog? Write this down. Does your grievance <laughs> remind with rhyme with Smanthony? <laughs> and uh, their no hugging, no learning motto is actually pretty funny when you watch the last clip show, and they use good riddance as the music over the little montage, and like they said, for parentheses time of your life <laughs> i knew you were gonna do that <laughs> uh, for such an emotional song they said if for a show about to use that for a show where the motto was you know no sappy moments they said it really packed a punch mm-hmm. that's another behind the scenes fact at the end jerry seinfeld took them all behind stage before their final shoot and he was crying which he never did and he said from now on when somebody thinks of one of us they'll think of all four of us and i can't think of Aww. three other people i'd rather have that honor with so awesome. i thought that was now that's a linus mm-hmm. moment it's too bad it's not in any of the christmas <laughs> episodes. <It> doesn't count <laughs> sorry <laughs> so tom why don't you walk us through the plot of this episode the uh, plot as a show about nothing there's no the plot, plot yeah what what plot so um <laughs> well george wants elaine to help him get a job which he does and he know he and jerry are out shopping and he knows he needs to get elaine something for christmas and he finds this well he's guilted into getting her something he's like do i really need to get her something yeah. because he's cheap <laughs> he's like yeah you should so, so they go out and he finds this sweater this cashmere sweater that's like super cheap and on the back there's a little red dot and George is rationalizing to Jerry why the dot doesn't matter. And he should be able to get her this, this, this sweater anyway. Because, again, it's not the thought that counts. <laughs> Just like his dad, George is super cheap <laughs> in every way. Um, 
which is one of the funny things about this show to me is how annoyed George is with his dad. And he's the same. And he's the same. He is the exactly the same, same person. <laughs> I could, I mean, I, especially in this, when he's, when, he, when he's talking about the dot and how the dot doesn't matter. And, and it's the typical quick banter back and forth between Jerry and George that we see in Seinfeld. The things that George is saying, I could easily hear his dad saying in defense <laughs> of buying something like this. So George, and of course, immediately messes it, up this new job. Oh yeah! Immediately by <laughs> having sex with the like, cleaning woman uh, on the floor, on the floor, which is a total George on his thing desk. to do on his desk. On his desk, it wasn't on the floor. It's on his desk. I say on the floor because yeah, that line about then she mopped the floor with me. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. I, I just. I'm, that is one thing I don't like about the show that really grossed me out are, are, are all of the sex, sexcapades that we see. <laughs> well, right? and they're so yeah, unrealistic, seems... too. They are. Like, like George. No. George <laughs> George bagging a cleaning lady on day one. Hey, well, he well, that's why Marissa Tomei, remember? He almost did get Marissa Tomei. <laughs> She's in the short, stocky, bald man. <laughs> oh, and then... <gasps> uh, Jerry and she going. dates happy. Marissa Tomei dates happy in Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, who yeah. is a not tall, stocky, bald man. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, that. I remember when she was cast as Aunt May. And people were posting that picture of her and George and saying, Rest in peace, Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> um well, no, to your point, Julia, about his looks. When we're saying, I like how that's a plot point later on. Looks not important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's so excited uh, too. He's so excited. The the wasn't the cashmere sweater marked down from like five hundred bucks. It was six hundred dollars to eighty five dollars. That's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Jerry goes to a uh, uh, the office Christmas party, Elaine's office Christmas party, talking, hanging out with her uh new boyfriend her her romantic interest i don't do are they actually boyfriend it doesn't last long enough they're, for them da- to they're dating dating they're together yeah, yeah. Uh, and jerry mixes up the glasses on the table at the party and gives her sober boyfriend alcohol without meaning to and now he's off the wagon and everything is ruined he's on the wagon or he's, he's, on yeah, the he's, wagon. he's 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 <laughs> off uh yeah World he's back loses. on the wagon he's back on the wagon <laughs> And it, all of his sobriety is shot. So, of course, Elaine notices the red sweater. Well, the red dot. She's, she's elated when she gets the sweater. And then drunk Kramer from the other side of the room says, hey, what's that red dot? What's that red dot? <laughs> and points it out, much to George's <laughs> consternation. And then uh, Elaine immediately knows, too, that <laughs> George did yeah. She's yes. not an idiot. Um, <laughs> and she even tricks him into admitting it. <laughs> she even tricks him. And Jerry told me, What? You told her? How can you do that? Like, no, she tricked you, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, as if George's week couldn't get any worse, <laughs> he gets fired because, the clean- <laughs> well, he tries to give the sweater to the cleaning lady, right? Which, okay, this is like the funniest part of the whole episode when she's telling the story her about her time in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> there was this man and he had on the most beautiful sweater. And, 
and she kind of she kind of looks into the distance, you know, and she's like, "Cashmere." <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite my favorite part of this episode is when he's calling to the office to get fired, and he's like, "The boss is like, I heard you had sex with the cleaning lady," and you just see every possible scenario run through Jason Alexander's face <laughs> yeah, yeah, before yeah. he finally settles on. Was that wrong? Nobody told me that was. Wrong. <laughs> I didn't realize that wasn't allowed. I didn't realize that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks like he's going to cry when the guy's like, you're fired. Well, you didn't have to say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> then I think he even, he even tries to pull the Christmas thing. Like, I don't suppose Christmas spirit has any play here. <laughs> so, of oh, course, man. the storylines come together at the end. George is packing up his desk. It wasn't just, <laughs> yeah. well, well, it wasn't just that... Uh, <laughs> It does just that he tells me he's fired. You know, he says, uh, you know, you've enge- you, you've engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office with the cleaning lady or whatever. George's immediate answer was, who said that? Yeah, yeah. Mr. Breckman was like, she did. Was it wrong? That's when he goes into the was it, was it wrong tirade. <laughs> so George is back at his desk with Elaine and Jerry, who they're going to all go out to dinner. And uh, that's when Dick comes in, <laughs> drunk off his mind. And Jerry thinks it's like a revenge thing. Like they think he's going to be one of these office like Scrooge guys coming in to shoot up the place basically. <laughs> so they all hide under the desk and he finds them immediately. And George holds out the cashmere sweater as though it's a white flag. <laughs> the white flag. And he picks it up. Is this cashmere? Hey, what's his red dot? <laughs> 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 and then it ends. No, I like his excuse to Elaine when you know she said, did you know about the dot? He's like, I was sick. I was seeing red dots on everything. <laughs> that was not an actual red dot on the sweater. Nope, nope. It was just a red thread. A it was a red thread they put in to show the red without ruining the cashmere sweater. <laughs> this one was a little light on Kramer for me. It was, yeah. yeah. It felt a little light on Christmas, too. It yes. did. Yeah, just kind of the office party. It looked like one really. of those really, mm-hmm. and I've worked in an office like that before, the ones that really just put up a small tree in the corner like a desk tree and that's their christmas decoration and it's that mm-hmm. bland office look and yeah i mean i get jerry didn't have decorations he's jewish like that's another very thing about the show it's very jewish and very new york it's also the only episode where uh like during his act you know those those scenes there where he's he's doing a stand-up where he actually interacts with the audience yes so, i thought that was kind of cool well, like it actually factored into the show. And, it, and then they, the yeah, they, they yeah. built the plot into it as well. Because uh, Dick shows up. <laughs> I was glad when they got rid of the stand-up in later seasons because the episodes are becoming too crowded. I never liked the stand-up bookmarks. I kind of did. It depended because sometimes they were really funny. And then other times, yeah, it was just like, mm, I bet it was funnier if I saw your whole show. Mm. <laughs> right. Rather so than they got rid of those? I thought those persisted through the whole thing. <laughs> As the later, as the seasons went on and the show got more popular and the characters started to grow, they the scripts got longer and longer. So to make room for the actual plot, they cut that part. They cut those. Oh, I don't. I think it stopped around season five, season six, and then it didn't come back again to the finale. So, yeah, out of all four we've watched, this is my least favorite. Yeah, mine too. I think me too. It was just even me the too. lightest on like background decorations which is what you really get in seinfeld because mm-hmm. it's not really christmas it was just the lightest on it all lightest on kramer it was early seinfeld when they're still trying to find their footing <laughs> like i really like the later seasons so yeah i do too no linus moment 
Nope. Yeah. Unless okay. you try to, unless no, no George no. trying no to give trying. a gift to three different people and being rejected. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope, that's definitely not it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. No, the closest thing that you'd get is just a uh, dick going back on the wagon or off the wagon, off whatever. The wagon. Whatever. <laughs> and even then, that's not one. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought it was funny when George was telling Jerry about this, and he says, I've always been attracted to cleaning women, cleaning women, chambermaids. And Jerry's like, yeah, chambermaids, I'm attracted to them too. And George's like, why is that? And Jerry's like, it's a woman in your room. Uh, I just thought it was funny that, that it was something so simple, and we're talking about chambermaids in 1990 or whatever. 1991. I liked, um, I don't have the quote, but I liked when <laughs> Elaine arrange that talk with her boss with George to get him hired and he's asking oh, yeah. he's a publishing company and he's like oh who's your favorite writer and first he names a sports writer and he's like no your favorite authors and he just bs's the whole thing and that I feel like that's a universal thing not bsing your favorite authors but there's always a moment everyone's experienced that sometime in their life where they're trying to bs an interview to land a job yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh uh i'm i'm so many i'm not even gonna name <laughs> art Fe- uh, well, and then he goes art to art delay which is like one of his common, uh, alias or well, his common alias which is a real vandalay industries is a real company in dc by the way oh is it which, really? I, which I didn't know because my boss once had me look over her resume and and uh <laughs> she worked at vandalay industries and i legit <laughs> thought she was like is this like, I, I legit thought, oh, she's wanted to make sure I actually read it and not just saying this is okay. But no, it was a real thing. I was like, you worked at Van? I feel like that's like the perfect opener, like in an interview, right? I totally got to put that on my resume now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was funny when also when, um, you know, Kramer, before, he, before George starts his new job or whatever, Kramer's telling him to, to get blitz basically to have some Hennessy. Oh yeah, yeah. So, or Hennigan's. Hennigan's. Hennigan's, Hennigan's that's yeah. it. And then um, he talks about after he is intimate with the the chambermaid at the, oh. <laughs> at the company, he said it was good, but I threw up from Hennigan's. And Jerry just says, "Good thing the cleaning lady was there." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like the uh, the whole bit when Kramer was, you know. Because they're trying to see if you can smell the alcohol on someone's breath after one drink. And so they asked Kramer to, to drink the Hennigans. And um, so he's doing like, he's like, oh, you can even do a whole commercial about this. He's like, say you got a big job interview and you're a little nervous. We'll throw back a couple of shots of Hennigans and you'll be as loose as a goose and ready to roll in no time. And because it's odorless, why it will be our little secret. <laughs> Uh, I like when they ask, also when they ask Kramer if he would take a drink and let them smell it, smell him, and Kramer says, you can smell me without the drink. (laughs) (laughs) I love Kramer, and I think, like, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening to our show has seen at least one episode of Seinfeld, but for those of you who might not, Kramer can be summed up by a quote from George. None of these episodes, but there's an episode where Kramer goes to baseball fantasy camp. And George is like, Kramer goes to a fantasy camp. His whole life is a fantasy camp. Do nothing, <laughs> fall out, backwards into money, mooch food off your neighbors, and have sex without dating. That's a fantasy camp. <laughs> Kramer has a job. Yeah, he Kramer's uh, got a job. We'll find that out later. <laughs> Makes bagels. <laughs> that episode is way better than this one. 
<laughs> Bagels. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. So what would you give this one? Um, since this one's kind of my least favorite, I'd probably go with like a four, honestly. That's why I was going to give it two. I give it a two. I'm going to go two and a half, which gives us an average of 2.83. Julia, do you want to introduce the next one for us? Yep. So just a year later and a season later, um, season four, episode 13 in 1992 was the Christmas episode, The Pick. Our synopsis for that one is... Elaine is mortified when she discovers she is inadvertently exposing herself and the Christmas card she sends out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jerry's model girlfriend dumps him when she witnesses him picking his nose. Kramer is outraged to learn that Calvin Klein stole his idea for a new perfume and George pines for his ex-girlfriend <laughs> Susan to take him back. So I have a grievance with this, when... uh, with this summary here. He did not pick his nose. It was a scratch. It was, it was a scratch. scratch. <laughs> We've it, all had that. We've all had that. It walks the line right. there at the end. It really makes you wonder. Did y'all notice when Kramer fell? I, I saw this in preparing for, the, for, the, uh, for watching this again. I didn't actually catch it myself and wouldn't have caught it myself but when kramer falls and hits the wall you know when he's modeling or whatever yeah um uh you see his makeup on the wall like you see his <laughs> yeah head. i didn't yeah. see that there was I a dark smudge on the wall i yeah. wondered what that was i when i noticed it, i was like that looks but it looks really gross doesn't it like yeah gross. it looks really gross so my favorite plot line in this episode is elaine and the christmas card yeah she wants right to, she yeah. wants to send out a christmas card by herself which good for with her. With a picture. With a picture. Good for picture her. Thing. I have a yeah, coworker. Super weird. I have a coworker, life. Kayla. She's like a year younger than me. She still is at home. She's not married or anything. She's super fun. Last year, she sent out a Christmas card by herself. <laughs> like in one picture, it was her whole family. All her siblings have kids and everything. There were spouses. And then the next picture was her with a glass of wine, like sitting in front of the Christmas tree, having a blast. And it was the most <laughs> awesome Christmas card. But, uh, yeah, Elaine wants to send out a picture, and George says, why don't you get Kramer to take it? Because he was actually good when he took his photos in his underwear for him. He was actually pretty professional. So Kramer says, you need to change that shirt. I may have something for you to wear. So he takes her back to her apartment, does the pictures. She sends them out. They came out really good. So... Elaine's a Jerry's from the little round circular protuberance. <laughs> protuberance. <laughs> which Jerry notices when he gets the card in the mail. And sure enough, Elaine's nipple is exposed. And she gets furious. She's like, I sent it out my nephew, Nan and Pop. Like, she's horrified. And Jerry tries to cheer her up. We get like a 13-second appearance by Wayne Knight as Newman, who's a recurring character on the show. Yeah. As Newman from down the hall. And it's like, Newman, do you know anything weird about this picture? Yeah, your nipple's showing. And she's mortified. <laughs> she's furious at Kramer. But meanwhile, George starts to see a therapist to go over his problems with Susan and women in general. And he notices the Elaine's Christmas card and is like offended. <laughs> he didn't get one in the mail. Which leads me to my favorite part of the episode. This part is just so funny to me. And it's when he goes to Jerry's. He's like, oh, there you are. How come everyone else got a Christmas card except me? Jerry got one. Kramer got one. I thought we were good friends. I didn't get a Christmas card. I don't get it. And she's like, you want a Christmas card? You want a Christmas card? Here. Here's my Christmas card. And he <laughs> takes her, his face and rubs it in her cleavage, basically. <laughs> and like, 
George has his no hair. hair to begin with, but the little horseshoe he does have, like when she pushes him away, is like all frazzled and on end, and he just looks. <laughs> that was some really good physical humor. Really it was. physical humor. At that I like when, I like when Elaine decides she needs to defend herself from all of this, and uh, she said, "I did not bear myself deliberately, but I tell you, I wish now that I had, because it's not me who's been exposed, but you. I have seen the nipple on your soul." <laughs> And this is juxtaposed of Jerry trying to defend himself for picking yes. his nose with his girlfriend. If I pick, yeah. do we not bleed? Like, <laughs> he just has this long speech. That's actually pretty funny. I like, I like when Jerry and Kramer are trying to make Elaine feel better about the car. Oh, yeah. she, he, they're like, we all have them. They just we all have them. them. And they lift up their shirts. <laughs> I like and I like oh, how mortified Elaine's boyfriend is by it. Like he's just so outraged by it. And Elaine has to The religious stop, guy. The religious guy, yeah. Stop right. the yeah. argument to take a call from her sister because her nephew got the card and is sleeping with it under the <laughs> No chick under his mattress. <laughs> <laughs> That's so gross. Like I'm just thinking about my aunts. <laughs> yeah. But um then the other plot line in this is when <laughs> So Elaine, uh, so Jerry's model girlfriend, before she starts avoiding him because she witnessed him picking the nose, is a new model for a new perfume called the Ocean. Ocean. Yeah, Ocean. Now, like a season back, Kramer went to the beach and said, "This would make a great perfume." I went to Ka- Calvin Klein to pitch it, calling the beach, and they rejected him. <laughs> so, oh, so we got to see that whole thing. Yeah, that, that was a, a whole episode. Yeah. Oh, oh I like funny. that. Yeah, so I like he, that they actually followed. Well, I mean, and the model—he actually met the model on the plane, like an episode or two earlier, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, when yeah. him and Elaine were traveling, only one one of them could be first class, so he took the ticket. And he because I, I know what it's like to be in first class, Elaine. You can't go from being in first class to business class to coach. <laughs> to coach. <laughs> not wrong, y'all. It's not wrong. <laughs> so, uh, Kramer is furious at. <laughs> at the beach like jerry at first tries to hide it from him he comes in he, <laughs> yeah. he tries to air vacuum around the girlfriend and, and kramer's like how tall are you let's go back to back and like just all this nuts not so stuff and then of course he realizes so it's, that it's it's just typical kramer yeah it's so ridiculous <laughs> he, he realizes it he gets mad when he finds out he leans wearing it later in the episode so he goes to calvin klein to demand you know, some kind of compensation. So Calvin Klein and his associates think a quick way to get him off the back, just let him model an ad <laughs> for the magazine. There's just a great bit of physical comedy at the end. He comes down in these tidy whitey underwears, like <laughs> so confident with his body, strutting around like <laughs> like he owns a place. And typical Kramer like falls over in the wall, like he's falling over in this place. But whatever. Like so these storylines come together at the end. They're all <laughs> in the coffee shop and Kramer comes in with the new magazine and they're like, wow, they really did a number on your pectorals, nice glutes. They're talking about how great the ad is. And then Elaine's <laughs> like, but I think I His can see your, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's like, I think I can see your, and they're like, oh, and then <laughs> hard cut, hard cut, <laughs> freeze frame. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I just, I love the George part of it all because yeah, so he had been dating Susan for quite a while. And then, I mean, he even accidentally burns down her dad's cabin. Cabin. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's like a whole thing. And then she, she breaks up with him. And this whole episode is strange because he's just like pining over her the whole time. Like, oh, Susan. And he starts to sing. Uh, I don't even remember what song it is, but like this, you know, this elaborate lovey-dovey, I lost her kind of song. And, and then Jerry's like, George, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> Which is not the, that's a running gag too, because there are moments Jerry does that a few times. Like there's yep. one, there's another episode, speaking of Christmas, where where George was like, hey, can I watch this movie here? Yeah, I don't want to be at my place. I feel like I, at least I'm getting out if I watch it here. So Jerry's like, sure, just lock up when you're gone. And it's home alone. He's watching. So Jerry comes home from his date later on and George is on the couch clutching a pillow crying. And Jerry's <laughs> like, you're crying at home alone? And George is like, the old man got to me. And Jerry's like, this is a sickening <laughs> display. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, it is such an on-again, off-again relationship with Susan because then, you know, he tries to get her back. And as engaged. And he earlier, he, he mentions how walking up the stairs was like walking to a, a jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> you see him walking up the stairs late in the episode. Yeah, Which is literally the same shot. <laughs> just about at season seven, years later, when he gets engaged to her. And yep. he realizes as he's going up those stairs, <laughs> what have I done? But that was one of my favorite seasons. That season. <laughs> well, she even... Uh, because doesn't she even become a lesbian for a while? And then, <laughs> and then Kramer turns her girlfriend. To... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What? What? Yeah. yeah. Susan becomes a lesbian for a while. And George fears that he turned her. Turned her, yeah. And then Kramer meets a girlfriend and Kramer turns her straight. And George is like, unbelievable. Yeah. I force him to lesbianism and he turns him back. <laughs> <laughs> But but no, yeah, my daughter like, thinks Anthony just sounded like George. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a million percent. <laughs> but no, but then that's funny because later on, when they have like this existential moment where um, both Jerry and George agree to get married by like the end of the summer or something like that. You know, they're going they to they're going to find wives basically. and they're gonna they're gonna each get married. And uh, George goes to Susan. And uh, he's telling Jerry about it later. And he's like, I thought she was a lesbian. He says, I didn't take. <laughs> uh, but speaking of that, I love when they're engaged and his parents meet her rich parents. That dinner, do you remember that one? And they're all I sitting do. down to yes. dinner. And Jerry Stiller as Frank Costanza, it's the most inappropriate person. He's like, let me understand. I've got a hen, a rooster, and a chicken. The rooster's having sex with the chicken. Who's having sex with the hen? And George is like... <laughs> We'll talk about it another time, Dad. And Frank is like, you see my point here? You only hear about a hen, a rooster, and a chicken. Something's missing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, like the, I definitely like this one better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Me too. 100%. Yeah, same. <laughs> and I find when there's more Kramer... And more George. I tend to like an episode more. Yeah, I mean, they're just more interesting than Jerry. That, well, they're more interesting. And he's not an actor, so you can see, like, every time he's trying to do something, it's, like, so forced. And I love I mean, the show, but it's just like, uh, come on, no, man. No, 100%. Get, get with the actors, you know? Mm. Well, I've, I've mentioned it off mic before, but that's that was their test for new writers when they were interviewing new writers. If they came in with an interesting Jerry or Elaine story, they'd hire them because too oh, many wow. came in with Kramer and George stories because they're so easy to write. They're so for. easy, yeah. Really? That's interesting. Yep. So I like when Jerry's out with uh, Tia in his apartment, you know, his model girlfriend. He's like, uh, so I'm thinking of putting in a tropical fish tank right here. And she says, 
<clears throat> are you sure you're ready for that kind of commitment? And he says, well, I figure if it doesn't work out, I can always flush them down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I like, <laughs> like when Elaine's at the office on, her, on the phone with her sister Gail and one of her coworkers pops her head in the office and they're like, hey, Nip, you need that manuscript or can I take it home? And she's like, so take mean. it, take it, and stop <laughs> calling me Nip. Talk about sexual harassment there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we need to go over the guidelines here. <laughs> I like Jerry and George's conversation when Jerry tells George what happened. And George is like, was it a scratch or a pick? <laughs> and Jerry's like, it was a scratch. And George is like, hey, it's me. <laughs> uh, I like when, when they're talking about it and Jerry goes, let me ask you something. If you were going out with somebody and if she did that, what would you do? Would you continue going out with her? And George is immediately, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> when Jerry's defending it and he's all, you know, is this so unforgivable? Is that like breaking a commandment? Did God say to Moses, thou shalt not pick? <laughs> and George is like, I guarantee you, you that, that Moses quote. was a picker. You wander through the desert for 40 years of that dry air. You're telling me you're not going to have occasion to clean house. <laughs> clean house <laughs> you know we see this arc of jerry from like denial to acceptance and it just reminds me of my four-year-old <laughs> will we catch yeah. her picking her nose she's not picking her nose the later she'll come back and tell us she lied and she was picking her nose but it was because of this reason i don't know it's just funny <laughs> <laughs> he is he is very superficial like there's really nothing below the surface with him <laughs> so i did appreciate with this one even though it was not very Christmassy, that, that Christmas was a part of Elaine's plot. It was a Christmas card plot. But there was no Linus moment. Uh, nothing no, there's never a Linus moment. Yeah, there is none. For one well, I don't know. Episode. Jerry acknowledges what the Christmas season is all about, right? He says, volunteer work. See, that's what I love about the holiday season. That's the true spirit of Christmas. People being helped by people other than me. <laughs> that makes me feel good inside. <laughs> I would call that a Linus moment. I suppose all I'll say literally is, comes out and tells us what the spirit of Christmas is all about. I think you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I stand. All correctly. I'll say is one of my favorite quotes in another episode we'll get to in a bit is when George talks about the meaning of Christmas when he gets a gift he doesn't like from someone. Oh yeah. <laughs> <from> some... <laughs> so what would y'all give this one? So four and a half. I'm gonna go a five. A four. I'm gonna go four. That gives us an average of 4.33. Cool. Jerry, I know this one is your favorite, so why don't you introduce this one? This one is my favorite. I love this one. So this is um, 1994, season six, episode 10, The Race. This is one that my friends and I would like quote all the time. Um, so basically, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of plots. Kramer, well, the first one is Kramer. He's getting a job playing Santa Claus while Elaine's dating also this, uh, this guy that is a communist and who later influences him, but we'll get into that. And so Jerry also meets, he's dating this girl who works for like an old rival of his. Um, high school. From high, high school rival, yeah. So it, back in high school, there was this huge race. Oh, the big race, you know, like George <laughs> says. And um, he won by a lot because he was so amped up that... He, he started early <laughs> and no one noticed. And so then this whole mystery and uh, this aura of mystique kind of developed around him. <laughs> and, um, you know, he knew that, that he, could happened never, to me once. he could never actually win against the, this rival. And so he just decided not to run. He chose not to run. And uh, from there, the mystery just grew deeper. 
and so we kind of see everything intertwined but i love this one a lot because there's a ton of like superman references like throughout the whole thing <laughs> oh well that's what attracts him to this girl so much her name is lois her name is he lois he, yeah he can't stop lois. saying her name lois lois <laughs> but uh i had a similar experience of gym you know how you have to run the mile for the physical yeah. fitness week yeah that's four laps around the track right well at least it was at our school yeah <laughs> so we were running after lap three, I needed to stop and catch my break. So I stopped just after the finish line to catch my breath. And the gym teacher was standing there just looking at his pad. He thought I had finished. So I was first in my whole class. So I was like, yes. And then this kid, Lee, he was such, he was one of these jockey kids. He was so pissed. He was like, he didn't finish. He only ran three laps. And Amatuli, who was a gym teacher, got so upset with him for like trying to take away this victory mailing. He made him do another mile. So this myth grew the fear gym class that I has such a fast mile. So I <laughs> oh, could relate to this episode so much. And, and it wasn't on purpose. I literally look. stopped to take a breath. But when I realized I could get out of that last lap, I was like, heck yeah, I'm getting out of this last lap. And I was like, yep, finish. No. That is so funny. Yep. That's terrible. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, oh, man. So, Jerry, I love this one too. I love the Kramer plot line. And I love the Miracle on 34th Street reference. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Where that That's little Dutch girl yeah. comes up and, and the mother's like, she won't understand English. She's Santa Dutch. speaks the Santa language speaks. of all the children. Favorite favorite Santa moment. No, I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> I did like how into it he was at first, though. He, like, he really wanted that job. He's <laughs> like, oh, I man. really, I really like that Elaine is banned from eating at that, from ordering from that she Chinese restaurant. Blacklisted from Hop Sings. <laughs> uh, I also the, like how the, weirdly the the names, like, the, infatuated the she of, is that she's a communist. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the whole time she's like, um, yeah, this is my boyfriend. He's a communist. Yeah. <laughs> so the George plot yeah. is he sees this communist newspaper at Elaine's house and he takes it to it for some reading <laughs> and he finds the dating ads and he's like, look at this. Looks not important. Looks not important, Jerry. <laughs> and he's like, her or you? <laughs> uh. And he's like, maybe this communism thing has something to do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I love how later on he's at work and he's answering one of the personal calls yeah. and his secretary overhears him and like gets super offended that he's a communist and reports him to the boss. Reports him to George Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner, yeah. Yep. And then he thinks he's in like trouble because Steinbrenner wants to him. meet him. Yeah, then instead he's like, oh, he's let's like, go work out. Communism. He's like, hey, I hear you're a communist. Cuba. Yeah, go get us some, some players. players. So there's a, there's a deleted scene where they go to the Cuban embassy. Oh, to get a passport? To get a, sure. Yeah, to get a visa, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish they would have kept that in. And Me I also too. Yeah, no kidding. On, I mean, how, there was some other stuff they could have cut out of here. I, uh, I know that the one was when uh, the Kramer was skinny. You know, a skinny Santa. I know that <laughs> Which, was one. Yeah. Which I love the store manager. He kicks him out. Get your skinny... <laughs> which would have made more sense if we had seen that skinny part but but i love i love how taken to communism kramer becomes so when, <laughs> so when he sees this 
when, you're being bamboozled. When he, yeah, he, when he sees this little kid, I'm just going to read this because I love this quote. The kid's like, I want a racing car set. Ho, 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 a racing car set. Those are assembled in Taiwan by kids like you. And these Coleman pigs, they sell at triple the cost. But I want a racing car set. You see, kid, you're being bamboozled. These capitalist facts are inflating the profit margin, reducing your total number of toys. <laughs> and the kid flips out. He's like, hey, this guy's a commie. <laughs> this guy's a and commie. Mickey, he's spreading propaganda. <laughs> yeah. And Mickey, who I love. I love Mickey as a recurring character, his little, yeah. his yeah. little friend, yeah, who's dressed as an elf. He's like, hey, kid, quiet. Where did a little boy like you learn such a bad word, huh? Santa's not a commie. He just forgot how his good friend stuck his neck out for him to get a good job like this, didn't he, Santa? <laughs> and he kicks him, too. <laughs> <laughs> and the store manager's like, well, that's enough, Pinko. You're through. <laughs> oh, um, man. So the Jerry and Lois stuff. So, of course, when his old rival finds out his employee is dating Jerry, who he had always been suspicious about winning this race. He wants a rematch. Jerry won't do it. So he starts making this woman's life hell at work. So Jerry's like, okay, he doesn't know we're still friends, George. We'll go to the coffee shop. And <laughs> you can come in <laughs> and pretend that you, this is the first time you're seeing me since graduation. So, so Jerry is there with Duncan and Lois, they're having coffee. And Duncan's, you know, being a jerk. He's like, you didn't beat me then. You can't beat me now. And George comes in, completely <laughs> overacting. Yeah. Is that Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, my God. And like, <laughs> dude, you sound just like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's the New York in me. It's not the yeah. anger in me. <laughs> I love how you know he they they go through this whole charade of you know about he kind of makes fun of him about his stand up. He's like, "What do you do a lot of that? Uh, did you kind of notice thing?" Like, yeah, it seems a lot of guys are doing that. And, and then Jerry he's still right can't help like, it. He's like, right away, he's like, "Boy, you really went bald there, didn't you?" <laughs> and it's like for a billionaire, you know, you're wearing ratty shoes and that old trench coat. <laughs> trench coat. <laughs> Uh, but it's just that. funny because, you know, he they're going through this whole charade about pretending and, you know, and then uh, as he's about to leave, he's like, well, hey, you know, since you're here, settle this, settle this debate for us. And he's like, you remember in uh, ninth grade, the, the race? And right away, George's like, oh, the big race. <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't even play it off. Like, what are you talking about? Or, you know, no, not really. Keep going. You know, I mean, it's just, it's funny. It makes me laugh that every time. That scene was very, very funny. That scene was really funny. <laughs> that's, that's one that we would always do. So whenever something would happen, we were trying to remember. We're like, oh, yeah, the big, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> so I love how this episode like wraps up and ties everything together. Like, so all these plot lines converge. Jerry agrees to race to save Lois's job. Yep. And Duncan calls everyone from high school to watch, gets their old coach, Mr. <laughs> Villalacqua, or whatever his name was, to come yeah. <laughs> referee. And uh, this is the same day. Like, George has to be at the airport soon. So Kramer's like, George, I'm going to keep the car running over there. But after this race, we got to go. You got you to gotta make your flight. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Which, again, would have made sense if we had seen the, the Viso part. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jerry and Duncan are getting ready to run. Mr. Bellalacqua puts his gun in the air. He's like, on your mark, get set. And then you see Kramer's car backfire, and Jerry takes off early again, which I just thought was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then keeping up with the whole Superman plot, like the Superman theme. The theme, <laughs> yeah, <plot>. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And of course, he wins. Yeah, and he does By a lot, this. too. And I love the look on Duncan's face as he's. <laughs> 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 and I love. 
I love Elaine running toward Jerry to give him a hug, and Jerry just swings his arm and knocks him <laughs> out of the way to go hug Lois. To go hug Lois. That was so funny, too. <laughs> oh, man. And she's like, will you come to Hawaii with me, Jerry? Maybe I will, Lois. Maybe I will. And then he winks at the camera. And then he actually breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, winks at the camera. <laughs> which is a reference to those old Superman uh, shorts in the 50s, I think. Yep. And uh, which is awesome. <laughs> I but I loved this episode. I do too. This one, this one's my favorite, and I love the Festivus one too. But this one edges it out for me. I, sa- I would say this one's definitely the most Christmassy of them all. For sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I love when the uh, so you know he's going out with Lois again. She gets in the car, and you know he's like, "So your boss is Duncan. Did he tell you anything?" And she's like, "Why did you cheat in that race?" And he he swears he didn't. <laughs> and he tells her all about it. And she's like, "So you really were the fastest kid in school." Faster than a speeding bullet, Lois. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Does that come back through the show? The new yeah, Superman. Superman. He, there's okay. a lot of Superman references, and then later on there's they would try. Like, if they couldn't actually messages. mention it, they would. He had like a Superman magnet on his fridge, as well. Okay. So they would at least show that, and then I think it gets moved to various places like the radio and different things. So they'd try to work it in. Something's kind of like Psych with the pineapple. It was the, the same with the Superman. I love the scene where they just got fired. I mentioned it before, they're walking down the street and Mickey's like, that was quick. Nice job, Santa. I knew that commie stuff was going to get us into trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't realize that was such a sensitive issue. Communism? You didn't realize <laughs> communism was a sensitive issue? What do you think's been going on in the world for the past 60 years? Wake up and smell the coffee. Kramer's <laughs> like, I guess I screwed up. I like when, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing anybody's quotes here, but I, I like when um, Elaine and her boyfriend, her communist boyfriend, and she buys him a new, a new shirt because, you know, he's communist. And so he's, all, he's always dressing so drab. Drab. <laughs> and, you know, I, I like, first of all, how she apologizes like, oh, sorry about that. And you know, about with the whole Russia thing, you know, Soviet Union. He's like, yeah, yeah. Well, we still have China and Cuba. She's like, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> so he's like, I know it's not the same. But anyway, so she gives him this new shirt and, uh, you know, he's like, I can't, you know, I can't wear it. And he kind of refuses. She's like, fine, you want to be a communist? Be a communist. Don't you at least look as a successful communist? <laughs> <laughs> what does that what does that even look like a, a military uniform i don't know but <laughs> i love what kramer and ricky are talking about communism and kramer's like there are no delicatessens under communism and he's like <laughs> yeah. why not and kramer's like well because the meats are divided into a class system you got pastrami and corned beef in one class and salami and bologna in the other that's not right and mickey's like so you can't get corned beef and kramer's like well, you know, if you're in the Politburo, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. When uh, Elaine is telling George about her communist boyfriend, she's like, I think he's a communist. And so they're trying to figure out if he is. She's like, well, Ned's very well read. And George says, or maybe he's just very well read, you know, R-E-D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, what's up? I, okay, so that was another, that's a resolution of that. He breaks up with Elaine because, so Elaine gets blacklisted at Hopsing. So yeah, yeah, she orders Chinese. Yeah. So she wants to order from a different Chinese place and her boyfriend's like, it has to be Hopsing's. It has to be. My father was sat in that corner, in the corner of that shop when he was blacklisted everywhere else. Elaine's like, fine, we'll call it Hopsing's. Oh yeah, because he was betrayed by because he was betrayed. He trusted. They named names. <laughs> yes, they named names. <laughs> so Elaine calls and gives her boyfriend's name because she's blacklisted. 
So the guy from Hopsing shows up at the food. Ned answers the door, but Elaine comes out of the bedroom and he's like, Elaine Bennis, you want our list. And now Ned Eisenkopf, you want our list. And he turns around, he's like, you got me blacklisted at Hopsing. <laughs> so he breaks up with her. And then, and then the guy even says, she named names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is, this is my, definitely my favorite. I love this one. So what would you give this one then, Jerry? I'd give this one a nine, man. This is really good. I'm also going with a nine. Put a seven. I'm going with eight. Nice. Which gives us an average of an eight. An eight. So now we move on to our last episode, 1997, season nine, The Strike. <laughs> George makes up a fake charity called the Human Fund, Human Fund. to make donations <laughs> in an Fund. effort to avoid giving Christmas gifts to his boss and co-workers. Meanwhile, Kramer's 12-year strike at H&H Bagels comes to an end due to the new legal minimum wage, and he quickly becomes infatuated with Frank Costanza's made-up holiday, Festivus. <laughs> Meanwhile, Elaine is determined to earn a free sub at a sandwich shop, and Jerry begins dating a Two-Face. That one was fun. So, you mean like the Batman villain? If that helps. <laughs> so good. Uh, so, few big names and guests, big named guest stars in this one. We have Brian Cranston, a lot younger mm-hmm. and with a full head of hair, playing Dr. Tim Watley. Watley, yeah. Who was throwing a Hanukkah party because he converted to Judaism purely for the for jokes. The jokes. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. In the last episode, we almost had Saul. Saul was had auditioned for Jerry's nemesis. Oh, that would have been awesome. Really? Wouldn't it? Well, you know, he I mean he comes in later. He's in what like season he's in another season where he, he has a role. Yeah. I feel like but you watch this show, just, there was like everyone on this show before they became It's all been before they got big. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine Daniel- Seinfeld on your resume? <laughs> right. Well, so they had a Curb season where they do the sign of a union. And, you know, you've seen some of Curb, Jerry. So you know how yeah. Larry always pisses someone off and always inevitably has to apologize. Yep. So the head Every of time. NBC wants to do the sign of a union. He's like, sure, because he wants to use it to win his wife back. Jerry pisses off the head of NBC. And so the head of NBC cancels the reunion. And I'm thinking to myself, that guy would be freaking fired if he's the head of NBC and Larry David agreed to do a Seinfeld reunion. And yeah, he for real. <laughs> Daniel Von Bargen is also in this episode as Mr. Kruger. May he rest in peace. He uh, died back in 2012. He tried to, well, he tried to kill himself in 2012. Like that 911 call was awful when they were playing around the, when it was all over the web where he shot himself in the head and called 911 begging for help. Mm. Um, I did he, not hear that. But he, because he was suffering very bad diabetes, at that point he was an amputee. He was getting more toes amputated. He didn't want to live like that, so he tried to kill himself and immediately regretted it. Then he died from complications a few years later. Oh, uh, really? Mm-hmm. From the shooting or from diabetes? From diabetes. Oh. Estelle so he Harris. survived the gunshot? Sorry. He did I'm survive the gunshot. Here. They got to him and helped him. Estelle Harris plays Estelle Costanza, George's mm-hmm. mother. <laughs> and playing George's yes, she father... Does is the late, great Mr. Jerry Stiller playing Frank Costanza, who's actually the second actor to play Frank Costanza. Because in the right. first episode he ever appeared in, it was somebody very different. It was a very different demeanor, much more calm and level-headed. And they're like, mm, that doesn't work for George, so you brought <laughs> yeah, Jerry no Stiller thanks. in. <laughs> so some pretty big names in this one. But 
Also, before we get into the plot, I want to talk a little bit about Festivus. So Festivus is my favorite episode, y'all. It's mine too. (laughs) By far. So so the holiday of Festivus is created by Daniel O'Keefe, who was one of the show's writers. It was created by his father, Dan O'Keefe, in 1966, where he invented many of the traditions we saw in this episode, because including (laughs) the airing of grievances, because he hated the commercialism of the holidays. So by the end of Seinfeld's run, they were always pitching, just talking about their lives. That's how they got Mm -hmm. a lot of their ideas. So around, he brought this up and immediately was told to write it as an episode. And he immediately regretted it because he felt like bringing up this past trauma, like, and making it famous. But after this episode, that's what did become, it became famous. Like they sell Mm -hmm. festivist poles and cards and everything now. Like it's a thing. (laughs) Everyone knows it's the 23rd of December. One of my so one of my coworkers says you can't just walk into Home Depot and buy a Festivus pole. You have to reword it into a. You know, he tr- he tried and had a long conversation with people while trying to buy his Festivus pole one year. <laughs> so the episode opens up at Tim Watley's Hanukkah party, and uh, Elaine, George, and Jerry are there. Jerry sees this beautiful woman, goes to chat with her. George goes to get kosher pigs in a blanket. Kosher pigs in a blanket, and. Uh, Elaine gets cornered by this really dorky, nerdy-looking guy <laughs> in a jacket. denim vest, who she denim calls vest. denim vest. Yeah, and she has a standard fake number that spells out "No Elaine," which she gives to him. <laughs> and as she's writing it down, she's like, "Nice metal buttons," which I found really funny. But she inadvertently writes it on the back of a subway of a sandwich shop subway rewards subway card. style, yeah, subway style right. rewards card. <laughs> And she was one sandwich away from getting that free sandwich, and it comes with a free captain's hat. So she's she's so upset about this. She wants to get the card back because she earned that free sandwich. So, <laughs> so she ends up going to the place that's registered with her fake number, which is this really sleazy horse betting backroom gambling place where everyone knows her name, Elaine Bennis. You make a lot of male friends, Elaine Bennis. <laughs> Guess what? I'm a man. <laughs> so she gives them a fake number to call once he calls the original fake number. So she gives them the bagel H&H bagels. That, so, uh, re- re- so rewind. <laughs> yep. So rewind. Kramer, Sherry, Kramer, Elaine are at Jerry's apartment. This is when Elaine first realized that she gave him her card and she's moaning about it. And Kramer gets a phone call because he lives across the apartment. He's always carrying his, his phone on him from across the hall. He takes this giant phone out of his pocket, answers it. He's like, hello? Really? Okay. And he's like, I'm going back to work. But guess what? The strike's over. I'm going back to work. <laughs> and they're like, what? They're so you confused. work? <laughs> and he said, 12 years ago, he went on strike at H&H Bagels. And the strike finally ended. And <laughs> they're like... The only people more surprised that he worked at H&H Bagels are the people at H&H Bagels. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, well, what were some of your demands? And they're like... Five fifty an hour, and that's what they're paying now. Five thirty-five. Kramer. Five thirty-five wage. <laughs> the new minimum wage, and he's like, and now you know who to thank for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I love the part, this part, because Jerry's like, Kramer, why did you never tell us about this? And Kramer's like, Jerry, I didn't want to tell you I wasn't working. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest joke because Kramer's never working. He's always <laughs> Does the so, show ever explain where he gets his money? 
Nope. Nope. Well, you well, you know mentioned he has a job earlier in the show. What? What's his job? Uh, at H and H Bagels. At H and H Bagel. Oh, that well, is the only one. I thought there was on another for, one. I mean, he no, does no, write a coffee table book. Years. He does write a coffee table book about coffee That's tables. That's true. So he probably has he probably has money from that. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they were like, and, and he was like, "Guess what? They're making it into a movie." And George was like, "How are they making that into a movie?" And Kramer's like, "Remember those toy ray guns, Independence Day." <laughs> <laughs> I love that one because that's when he retires down to Florida and moves in across from Jerry's parents. From Jerry's so parents, Jerry, yep. And Jerry goes to Florida and Kramer comes in, hey buddy, and Jerry's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so Kramer goes back to H&H and like Tom says, they're even more confused than Jerry and Elaine when Kramer shows up. They're, they're like, oh yeah, Kramer. And he's like, none of oh, the yeah, other guys showed Kramer. up? No, they probably got jobs 10 years ago. <laughs> Kramer's like, whew, makes you wonder if it's all worth it. <laughs> so they basically say to him, you know what, we need help over the holidays, pawn an apron, come back here. So Kramer is enthusiastic. <laughs> and this is like one of my favorite, like, I don't, it's not even a subtle joke, it's just a random joke. And Kramer goes back behind the counter. Oh, the he picks raisins, up a raisin yeah. bagel and he's like, what are those? And they're like, those are raisin bagel. <laughs> and Kramer's like, I never thought I'd live to see the day. Like, so <laughs> so oh, while this is going on, the bulk of the episode. So George got Tim Watley Yankee tickets for Christmas. And what he gets in return is a donation <laughs> has been made in your name to, what is it, the New York Ballet or something. And George is like, what a rip. This is basically a guy saying, I've given your Christmas gift to someone else. To someone else, yep. <laughs> it's like starving kids. Yeah, it's the Children's Alliance is what it is. Right, it's alliance. not the ballet. Because Seinfeld makes some comment afterwards, like, yeah, like giving it to kids that need food or something snarky. <laughs> but this gives George the idea to... The idea to make up his own charity <laughs> called the Human Fund. So Has he, anybody actually made that up yet? It is, is a, a real human fund yet? It is a charity in Ohio with the slogan, Money for the People. <laughs> Did it come before or after Seinfeld? <laughs> was it, it was established in 2005, eight yeah, years so after the episode's after. airing. It got the Dad name from it. the show. Um, it would be, if not, if not... That would be how the, the uh, Tis the Podcast becomes a full-time gig for all of us. <laughs> I'm going to start, yeah. No, Tom, when you, I, when I, you I, win I, on, on my show, when you, when you win the Gag Me with the Spoon, and you don't get a sticker, you get a donation to the, the human fund. <laughs> I, I still think we should send those out with our Christmas cards this year. Tis the Podcast has made a donation in your name. <laughs> Uh, we can actually get the same we can just get the same thing that uh, George handed out <laughs> you can't. so George is, gets the idea I'm going to hand out this fa these fake donations so I don't have to get anyone a real gift <laughs> and Jerry at this point is like you know what do me a favor don't get me anything this year don't bother <laughs> <laughs> um, but while they're at the coffee shop discussing this with Elaine George is going through his mail and they see a card and Jerry's like what's that and George's like nothing nothing it turns out to be a Festivus card <laughs> A Festivus card. And Elaine's like, what's Festivus? And oh, every time man. Jerry tries to explain it to someone new, I love how George is like, no, Jerry, no! <laughs> it's a stupid <laughs> made-up holiday that my father invented. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
man. And so basically, when George was growing up, his father got so sick of the commercial aspects of Christmas that he invented this holiday <clears throat> called Festivus, where it's a Festivus a, for the rest of us. It's a Festivus, Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> you put up a big metal pole with no adornments. I find tinsel distracting. Did the original Festivus include? Did the did the the author's dad's Festivus include the feats of strength? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Festivus isn't over until you someone can pin me. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess over. it makes sense because I I can't imagine writers coming up with something this epically so awesome random. out of thin air. It's so ridiculously <laughs> random. So so when Frank himself explains it later to Kramer, Kramer's like, I'm fascinated. Why tell me all about it? He talks about how he went to the store on Christmas Eve to get this doll for <laughs> George. Doll. And there is one doll left. And as he reached for it, someone else ripped, reached for it. And they got in a fight and the doll was destroyed in the process. And as that happened, I thought to myself, there has to be another way. And Kramer's like, wow, that must have been some doll. And Frank's like, she was. She was. <laughs> <laughs> so Kramer is like fascinated by Festivus. He wants a time off, but they hired him to work over the holidays. So Kramer's furious. He's like, you're infringing on my right to celebrate made up holidays, new holidays. <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> like, that's not right. He's like, strike, strike. And he goes out. He goes, he goes back on strike. <laughs> Back on strike. <laughs> no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I like his, his sabotage when he calls Elaine to tell her, you know, get out of there. I, I, I sabotaged it. And she's like, what did you do? <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> just like a, a leaky valve or something. <laughs> yeah, just there's a valve and steam comes out. And it's like, can steam we still make bagels? Out. Yeah, it'll just be a little steamy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so proud of himself he knocks on the window how do you like your bagels now <laughs> so but throughout um, throughout this whole thing jerry is having an issue with the girl that he's dating uh <laughs> because depending on what kind of lighting she's in she either looks gorgeous or not as gorgeous <laughs> and, so they and, call this the two-face syndrome <laughs> Elaine ends up, this is where the storylines kind of converge again because... Well, 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 before this though, it's established Jerry only takes her to the diner. To the diner because, because she always looks good looks in that Looks good lighting. at the diner. Good lighting. The lighting. Good lighting. So she the automatically becomes season. a little suspicious. So it's at this point, Elaine and the steam totally like <laughs> melts. She looks like, well, what do they say? Heebie jeebie, it's frightening. <laughs> That's what I she think it's a Yamahama or something Yamahama. like that. Yamahama. Yamahama. It's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she does like her makeup's running it's like yeah. <laughs> so um kramer runs into jerry's girlfriend on the street she's like kramer hi jerry he doesn't recognize her because he, he recognize met her, her in the the poor quality light the- <laughs> <laughs> and kramer being a totally oblivious friend no i met jerry's girlfriend you're not her you're much more gorgeous <laughs> and she's like that's why he was always taking me to the diner and kramer's like he's a tomcat so as this is going on george is given a twenty thousand dollar check for the human phone company (laughs) from his boss from his boss we i have to give the money away to somewhere and i figured why not the human fund so he debates keeping it why shouldn't i you know people come to me for money and they'll beg and then they'll have give it to them and they'll have to do something nice to repay me It's so funny because his boss, Mr. Kruger, is like, he just doesn't care about anything at all. Like when he even locks his... 
<laughs> he he locks his office accidentally. He's like, oh, my keys are there. No, oh, well, I'm going to go home. You'll go home. <laughs> well, I love, I love that one of the things about the show is George always has a different job. And like, yeah. we saw like three of his different bosses in the four of these episodes. <laughs> That's true. So obviously accounting at this company, figure out the yeah. human fund doesn't yeah. exist. So Kruger calls him into his office and wants to know, why would you give me a made up Christmas present? And George, you can see he's thinking fast. And he's like, I, I thought I'd be persecuted for my real beliefs. See, I, I don't celebrate Christmas. I, I celebrate a holiday my father made up called Festivus. And they're like, he's like, are you making this up? Nope. Festivus is very real. And I can <laughs> prove to you if, if you I want. Ha- <laughs> if I have to. If I have to. Like, yeah, you probably have to. <laughs> <laughs> and this leads to the best scene in the whole episode. Everyone's... <laughs> Gathered at Frank and Estelle's house for the Festivus dinner. Uh, Jerry and Elaine show up. Elaine's still steamy because she didn't have time to go home and change. Mm-hmm. Kramer shows up with the horse betting guys because, <laughs> how, because they called H&H because. while Kramer was there because he had to go inside and use the bathroom. And he answered in and said he was running into Elaine later that night. So he brought them. And George shows up with Mr. Kruger. So Frank starts off by showing Mr. Kruger the pole. Let me show you the pole, Kruger. <laughs> And then uh, he's like, let us begin. Festivus begins with the annual airing of grievances. I've got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> You're going to hear about them. And he starts off with George's boss. He's like, Kruger. And George is like, oh, God. <laughs> and he starts insulting Kr- Kruger. My son tells me your... Your company stinks. Your company stinks. <laughs> and then he, he loses his train of thought for me. He's like, I lost my train of thought. I love that's when that's when Jerry's girlfriend like walks in <laughs> and Kramer's like it's a festivist miracle <laughs> and she's like this must be the ugly girl <laughs> she's looking oh at my Elaine gosh. <laughs> so mean yeah it's pretty mean <laughs> and Jerry's like and Jerry's like no wait and he chases her outside and all year is ah <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks in bad lighting on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> Poor woman. I know. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> and uh, then um, Frank is like, Festivus does not end until I am pinned during the feats of strength. Mr. Kramer, this year the honor goes to you. But Kramer had to use the bathroom during the strike, so he's working there again, so he has to go. <laughs> And he's like, well, who's going to do the feats of strength? And Kruger's like, how about George? (laughs) (laughs) And Jim Frank's like, excellent idea, Kruger. Until you pin me, George. (laughs) This does not end. And as he's saying this, he's rolling up his old man sweater. (laughs) (laughs) And then we just get the slow pan out of the house where it's snowing outside. And you just hear George riding inside. They're like, get him, Georgie. You can do it. I think you can take him. I think you can take him. <laughs> but I love, oh, I love how you know his dad is like, you know, uh, stop crying and fight your father. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love earlier in the episode, they play an old feats of strength tape and it's George Rethis. I don't want to. Put on your glasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, this episode is one of my favorite episodes. It is a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's a any really ep- good episode. Any episode with Jerry Stiller, like Frank Costanza. <laughs> he, he's just a, he's just so funny. It, he, reminds, it reminds me of the one where, um, you know, George is trying, is like flirting with uh, Elaine's like secretary or her assistant. 
And uh, so like <laughs> they get Elaine tells the assistant, like, no, you don't want to go out with George. And then they kind of got like that bad boy. That bad boy. And so she wants to date George. <laughs> and then they get arrested for bootlegging. He will try to bootleg a movie. Yeah. So Elaine goes to bail her out of jail. And Frank's like, shows up. Okay, where's my boy? <laughs> and he finds out what happens. And Elaine... <laughs> And uh, Frank doesn't believe it was George's idea. He's like, my George isn't clever enough to act a scheme like this. <laughs> and, Elaine, and Elaine's like, you've got that right. And Frank is like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and Elaine's like, it means whatever the hell you want it to mean. And Frank's like, you want a piece of me? You've got it! <laughs> and then he just charges at her in that yeah. episode ends. There's uh, the blooper reel of that. It's pretty funny. Like, every time he says it, uh, you want Julia a piece Dreyfus of just cracks just up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I really loved the excitement that you two brought to that. I, I think, I feel like Julie and I just sat back as passive uh, <laughs> observers. It's funnier sorry to me. We can't match this level of enthusiasm. <laughs> we should have done a live watch. Oh, oh, that would have been funny. I love when... I love when Frank is showing Kruger the pole and he's like, it's made from aluminum, very high strength to weight ratio. And Kruger just looks at him and he's like, I find your belief system fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Kramer, George and Jerry are just sitting in the diner and they just hear the dragging of the pole, which is completely improvised by Jerry Stiller. He dragged it because he thought it would be funnier to drag the pole across the linoleum tile than carry it in. But they just hear this dragging and George looks over horrified and sees Frank come into the pole. Um, I have a quote from outside of the episode because I was doing some reading about Dan O'Keefe and the origins of festivals. Uh-huh. <laughs> he said uh, the real symbol of the holiday was a clock my dad put in a bag and nailed to the wall every year i don't know why i don't know what it means he would never tell me he would always say that's not for you to know <laughs> gosh <laughs> I mean, seriously how amazing i find that belief system fascinating <laughs> So I love how energized Kramer is after his first day at work. He comes in with a sack of bagels on the house. And Jerry's like, how's your first day? And Kramer's like, oh, fantastic. And as they're picking out bagels, he's like, felt so good to get my hands back in that dough. (laughs) And Jerry and George are like, "Your, your hands were in the dough? No, I didn't make these bagels. And then they're they're day olds. They're day olds. Yeah, the homeless won't even touch them. Oh, we tried to fool them. They put a few fresh ones on the top. But they didn't. They test. I know you already said it, but I love when Jerry reminds Jerry and George are explaining it to Elaine, and Jerry says, weren't there feats of strength that ended up with you crying? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's so good. I did like that. The the la- this episode and last episode had uh, DC references that does make me happy. Yeah, <laughs> like the Batman villain. If that if helps. that helps you, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love when Kramer goes starts to walk out again. He's like, "Come on, Elaine, it's a walkout." And Elaine's like, "No, Kramer, I've got to stay here and wait for the call." And Kramer's like, "What? Scab. You're siding with management? Scab, scab." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, this had a Linus moment. It was a Festivus <laughs> miracle. It's a Festivus miracle. It was. It was. <laughs> no. I don't think it's a Linus Frank? moment. No. <laughs> Frank not Because it's not Christmas. So I think it, we need to rename it specifically for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's Frank invented a holiday. He's so prolific. <laughs> yeah, so Frank, man, he's so prolific. He's so prolific, yeah. That's one of the running gags I love throughout the show, too, how popular Kramer is with both Jerry and George's parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frank, the new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Right. Let's do it then. Festivus is back. I'll get to pull out of the crawl space. Out of the crawl space. <laughs> can't say these without laughing. <laughs> oh man george festivus is your heritage it's part of who we are (laughs) i hate it (laughs) i love when they tell elaine about it and elaine's like ah (laughs) so another piece of the puzzle falls into place (laughs) yep and i love when i love i love i just loved when george was telling kruger about festivus he's like i am a selbe festivus and then kruger's just like venomous george is like feminist yeah Good night. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> what would you give this one? Well, like I said, uh, the last episode just barely edged it out. So, I gave it a nine. So, I'd give this one like an 8.75. I'm giving this one a 10. <laughs> I'm giving this one a 10. Uh, 8.5. This is one that of gives... the funniest Christmas episodes we have <laughs> ever covered from television. <laughs> so, that gives it a score of 9.5. So, the strike at 9.5 comes in first. The race at an 8 comes in second. The pick at 4.33 comes in third. And the red dot at 2.83 comes in fourth. Now, so. it is time for the airing of grievances. <laughs> and I'm going to go first because I've got some things to say. <laughs> I am not going to air grievances about our listeners there are some that i have bad things to say about and i think you know who you are and you know what you did but what i am going to air grievances about are anthony caruso and i feel pretty confident that i leave it there our listeners know and agree with exactly what i mean i currently have no grievances to air that's saving them up for a later date i will air my grievances about covid right now not only is it a really crappy situation, but it has raised my awareness at how dramatically underpaid teachers are. I For thought real. I understood this fact <laughs> until I see my wife and I both trying to balance one four-year-old child's education in my home. I can't imagine doing this with 30. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't. That's a good grievance. And that one hits home and my wife's a teacher and I was a band director for a while. So... Yeah, that hits home. For all of these weirdos out there who keep insisting that we need to do away with public education, defund education, that teachers are not needed, um, I will say (laughs) I would trade places with you for 12 hours and I think your opinion would change. Having a a very active, very imaginative, very um, stimuli-needing four-year-old has changed, has definitely not changed my opinion. I've always respected teachers, but at a whole new level. And I have grievances about people who complain about public education or education in general. It's, it's, uh, it's a grievance. I do too. And I'm going to piggyback on that because I had a COVID grievance to get out of my way too. Wear your f***ing masks, people. Jesus, you want things to go back to normal. The fastest way you can help with that is wear your mask. Uh, and I will and- just say this. Wearing a mask does not infringe on your rights. It does not. It is a basic human courtesy. It is the bare minimum, quite literally the bare minimum you can do to help save others. If wearing a mask could potentially save one person's life and you choose not to, there are a lot of names that are not appropriate for this podcast that I think of when I, when I, when I think of you people. They're appropriate for Wear Anthony's your mask. podcast, so we'll get to that later on. <laughs> say, Anthony will say I'm just... You know, I, I'm just going to edit. I don't say those edit. words. I'm going to 
to edit in that scene from Christmas Eve on Sesame Street where Oscar clearly curses out Big Bird and it's just a subway going by for 30 <laughs> seconds. I'm going to just clearly edit that in right now. <laughs> but um, one, of the, one of the things that annoys me with everyone in this world complaining about COVID, we all hated, we're all in difficult positions, parents especially, Julia and Tom and Jerry, all your kids, I don't know how you do it. I do not know how you do it. But there have been pressures on everyone, the hardships, it sucks. But people need to understand this virus is not going to go away until somebody issues a federal shutdown and requires every state to shut down for a bit, just like every other country did. Every other country made mask wearing mandatory. Every other country did a nationwide shutdown for a few weeks until they got it out of control. And that's the only thing that will get it out of control. (laughs) Under control control here under control here and we'll finally get back to normal a new normal with social distancing and masks but at least businesses and schools and theaters and stuff will start opening up i don't know what's so hard to understand about that just look to other first world countries to see it's true and that the federal shutdown and mask mandates work to get it under some semblance of control i understand the hardships i understand how hard it is to be stuck at home with children i understand how hard it is on people with mental health issues. I have mental health issues myself. There have been days I couldn't get out of bed since this all started. I understand, but I also am fully cognizant of the fact that to get this under some semblance of control, we need to shut down and institute a mask mandate. Otherwise, we're gonna have some states shutting down, other states reopening, then swapping, just because no one's on the same page. So there's my COVID rant, Tom. Thank you for leading me in for that. Now for my Tom rant. I've got a lot of problems with you, my friend. And he doesn't care. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm going to start. Guests first. I've got a lot of problems with you, Jerry. Number one, trying to usurp my position on this podcast. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) In all his fairness, in all fairness, Jerry's not trying to do anything. It's just the people have spoken. (laughs) It's true. I didn't number, t- number two, <laughs> you have a podcast. Why do you keep doing the rounds on everyone? <laughs> I feel like every time I listen to a Christmas podcast, every week someone's like, guest star, Jerry Davila. <laughs> People ask. I'm a nice guy. I say yes. <laughs> and, uh, and number three. Where are you? He's just giving people what they want. Come on, man. Get off of Jerry. And number three, and this goes to our good friend Todd Killian as well. Y'all rigged that Merry Christmas melee <laughs> against me. You I had preconceived you notions. You really terrible. <laughs> you, you, Anthony, Anthony, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I do have agreements on how poorly you represented Tis the Podcast in that melee. I am so glad. You're going to hear it yeah, as of time of this recording. I was, I was so glad that I was invited to come on and redeem us. I am so glad that when I went on, we won. Uh, you know, I'm versing you in that episode. I'm considering you, well, I'm considering you a failure. <laughs> you let us down. You have Let's let see, our entire I'm actually, down. I'm actually the new Anthony on your show. And so, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, would, I could never replace that uh, angry Anthony. Uh, so no, I, <laughs> I recuse myself. Well, <laughs> I learned that. Well, I have, I have a grievance against people Ron, like the angry Anthony. They yeah, do. yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. I have a grievance against President Hot Dog. How dare you nickname <laughs> me Tom Two? The worst insult one could ever imagine. Which, if you remember from about a year, well, no, maybe about a year and a half, almost two years ago, 
uh, when everyone was saying Tom was the worst. And I said, I'm actually pretty close to Tom in a lot of ways that I'm actually the second worst. So I should be Tom too. So that's my grievance, man. You just stole my grievance. So now I have a grievance against you. Well, his grievances are just like so nice. I know. I, I, I got nothing. So. Nothing it's really so bothers hard, me. It's so hard, isn't it? Nothing really bothers me. That's why I don't have a grievance against That's why I don't have a grievance against our listeners for real though. They have come around, seen the light, <laughs> and realized that Anthony is actually the worst. I mm. have a grievance about Julia Colburn that I need to air. <gasps> oh, I can't wait to hear that. Oh, I said do, nobody I ever. Oh, oh I go. do. Yeah. I have a grievance that applies to both of you. Adam Sandler, really? You yeah, talk he's about awesome. potty humor. He's the definition of potty humor. Sorry. Yeah, but that's also, what made him awesome when I was have in junior high. Humor <laughs> You're and not still have heart. And still have heart. Adam Sandler movies have heart. Big Daddy has a lot of heart. Little Nicky. Fifty has first, first dates heart. makes me cry every 50 time I see first date? it. Fifty oh. first dates is awful. So there's another the grievance. Oh man, you're so wrong. Couldn't hey, be more wrong. Happy Gilmore. How dare you? Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Happy Gilmore's good. Uh, also, Matt Spanglish. Damon. Matt Damon, really? Oh, Spanglish is so good. Matt Damon's freaking genius. What about Matt Damon? He's good. He's great. People love Matt he's Damon. He's awesome, Jerry. He, he's but a Anthony's going to give you some drivel. Like, he's uh, a poor man's uh, Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise is he is good. not. He is not. Get out of here with that mess. Get out is of it, here with that mess. Shut up with your face, sir. How did he say it? Uh, shut up with your face. Shut, shut up with your face. face. Shut up your face. I have a real grievance with you, Julia. Yep. Three and a half years in, do you, I need to get on a WebEx and teach you how to put music into your episodes. How is yes. it possible that I am still doing your music? Julia, I've asked Matt, you Julia. repeatedly to show me I how to know, do that. I'm joking. Julia, I'll tell you what, you send those to me. I will gladly do that editing for you. And I won't give you any issues or have a grievance about it. I don't mind. Mom, your or, niceness. Julia, if you would like to, I will happily hop on a call and show you how to insert blank space into the audio track and then add music. Uh, Julia may not want to listen to him because how many times has something slipped past him in editing? I'll teach you how to. That's because I get tired of listening when you talk. <laughs> maybe if you shut it, shut up your face. Shut up your face. Shut up your face. Then maybe shut up your face. My uh, gre- other grievance with you, I lost my train of thought. That I really did lose my train of thought that time. That was not like a reference to the episode. I had it on the tip of my tongue and then I lost it. I thought it was. How funny. We did get some listener grievances. Johnny CID wrote, It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie. Don't be joy suckers. Nope. Wrong. It's true. It is. Nope. It's very true. Two. Oh man, Jerry, I'm gonna change my opinion right now just to agree with you instead of Anthony. Just saying it, oh it, it must be if like countless shows and movies have ripped it off over the years. Two, if you love the Jim Carrey Grinch, you don't get to talk about Ernest. Wrong. Touche. Yep, yep, yep. Three, bring back the faux commercials at the beginning. It was fun. Stop being fun suckers. <laughs> Who said that? This is all from Johnny CID on Reddit. Nice. Four, Julia, you keep doing (gasps) what you're doing. Oh. I love the voice you said that in. That was (laughs) fantastic. Five, 
Seriously, it's a wonderful life. It's been eight months and I'm still pissed about it. Imagine not seeing the connection of standing against the tyrant Potter as being in line with the true Christmas story and Mary's Magnificat saying that the Christ child would bring down the mighty and lift up the lowly. He would feed the hungry and send the rich away empty. How does George not display the true Christmas spirit? Appalling. And then he wrote, I didn't have energy for anything else. This year has drained me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our good friend Disco54 replied to Johnny CID and said, absolutely agree. Not only is this film appallingly low on the list, as is White Christmas, but no consideration was given to the heritage of it. This is quintessential to the American Christmas much more than a Christmas story, more than Charlie Brown. Yet somehow, Noel, A Crown for Christmas, While You Were Sleeping are all better. It makes no sense. Disco, you make no sense of that comment. All those are better and more Christmassy. Charlie Brown's way more Christmassy. Yeah, it is. And it's more of a classic. Yeah, Jerry, Charlie Brown gets uh, more that's airplay. Debatable, man. It really Charlie, is. Jerry, do you want to weigh in on which one's better? Between Charlie Brown and, and It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Oof. Well, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Charlie Brown better. But I think in the minds of America, I might say It's a Wonderful Life, honestly, is is a, more of a classic. I would agree I mean, with that. I mean, trying to be, you know, take, trying classic, to take my opinion out of it. Not a better phenomenon. True. As a cultural phenomenon, I would agree more of a classic Christmas movie either. Yeah, I say Charlie Brown gets more is more famous around Christmas. All you have to do is walk in the stores and turn on a TV, and they're all over the place. Yeah, it's also true, but then again, uh, like I said, not a lot of people have ripped off Charlie Brown, whereas tons have ripped off "It's a Wonderful Life" and that you know, "I wish I was never born" thing. Yeah, they they that's, took a pre- that's they, true. They, they took a premise that had so much promise and was ruined by that film and made it Christmassy. That's a Christmas film. I will give you that, but but I think we're overlooking all of the references to Charlie Brown's Christmas tree as a cultural phenomenon. That's Mm. also true Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. I will say the whole episode really, there's there's not much to rip off of that episode, right? I mean, there's really not. It's it's just the, it's just the, we're just hitting the head over and over again with Charles Schultz tropes that we see. Charlie Brown is no good. Nobody likes Charlie Brown. Poor Charlie Mm -hmm. Brown. Lucy's going to move, Lucy, you know, is going to pull one over on him. Snoopy is going to somehow be extra awesome among all these kids. But the one thing that is truly unique to that is the Christmas tree. The tree. And we see that mm-hmm. all over the place. All of, it became true. its own. Have now. you have, we talked have, about that? Have any of y'all have any of it is have any of y'all been to a? I, I know Julie, you don't do real trees, but have you any of y'all walked by a tree lot <laughs> and not seen a tree that you make a reference to being a Charlie Brown tree? Absolutely. I don't I've, think it's possible. I've walked by tree lots looking for the Charlie Brown tree because I <laughs> to buy. In the same way, I would walk by the men's suits racks looking for the matlock suit and there is never a matlock suit by the way in a men's suiting store i was disappointed repeatedly no solid white suits so disco goes on to say the truth is hard to bear i'm still outraged it's as low as it is this joyous noel white christmas all in the wrong place hey i agree with two-thirds of that yeah well my grievance with disco is that whole comment Kendall wrote, Grievance. I'm pretty upset that Tom hates dogs. I don't hate dogs. I just have two duds of dogs that make you me not want them anymore. your dogs. I don't even hate them. Like, I, one of them I pity. He's like 15 years old now. He's losing his mind. So, like, he'll mm-hmm. stand there and cry for water 
we have to go pretend to pour water in the cup that already has water for him to drink. It's pitiful. Evan but they're Cook, also just terrible dogs. Evan Cook Orwin, my hero, wrote, I'm pretty upset with your opinions on a very Brady Christmas. It's a classic besides Greg's wife. She sucks. Evan, <laughs> no, it's not. It's awful. <laughs> it's terrible. Kendall, Kendall says, yes, I agree with this. Matt Urich, Gary Bauman, wrote, my grievance is with Jerry Davila and the fact that he's not on enough podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and he also wrote, I also have a major grievance with your Christmas story rating. Matt, fully agree. Many do. Many do. So it wouldn't be Festivus. Festivus and this episode cannot end without the Feast of Strength. And luckily, we have a moderator here to judge the three Tissa podcast co-hosts in their feats of strength challenge. So Jerry, do you want to explain what Tom, Julia, and myself are doing for the feats of strength? Well, since obviously no one can pin me because we're you know <laughs> apart, um, Festivus isn't going to end until we have someone that can answer two questions correctly first. So I have some trivia cards. This is going to be a mental feat of strength. You can see it's right here. It's a Christmas trivia. And I'm going to answer the questions. Whoever answers the question first will get the point. And then the first person to two points, because it's already late, it was going to be a lot higher earlier. Um, then um, we'll we'll get the point. First person wins. And that's when Festivus can end. Now, to ensure that no one claims that this thing is rigged, Anthony, I'm going to pick from any spot that you choose. So you any can. spot that I choose. Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you when to stop. Okay. So, I mean, for one question, I don't trust Anthony. Tell me when. Stop. All right. So there are several categories, but I am going to stick to. Um, Wait. Can movie? we make it a requirement? We have to hold up our hands. I don't trust anyone's not going to do the quick Google. <laughs> that is whatever. Okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I trust y'all because y'all are good people, but. Okay, fine. Anthony, dude, come on. All right, so first question. What Supreme song did Mary Steenburgen sing in One Magic Christmas? Oh, God. Oh, woof. Oh, I didn't, I don't like that movie. <laughs> That's why. Remember, Anthony picked the card, so you can blame him for the question. <laughs> I can't even answer Anthony. this. I don't even know a Supreme song. Uh, Tom's Googling. <laughs> I'm not Googling. I don't, do I just said, I don't, song. You just, I don't know. You just don't I don't know. It. I don't know what songs the Supremes sang. I probably know the song. I don't know what song they sang. So I'm, I, I already said, I don't know this, so I can't Google. All right. So no one's winning here. Okay. okay nope. Stop in the name question. of love. All right. Next question. Gosh, I remember that. I blocked What it seasonal movie shares a name with a hotel chain? Holiday, Holiday Inn slash White yep. Christmas. Tom got it first. What? Point to Tom. <laughs> That's a delay. This is rigged. <laughs> there it is. Flip a table while you're at it. Oh, jeez. Julia, did it, did it even come across? across the, there shouldn't be a delay. Your internet's much faster than mine, Anthony. Uh -oh. I heard Tom first. I the, heard Tom first, the, too. The corporate podcast media is rigging this against me. <laughs> Unless I win this... Trivia contest is rigged. Another that sounds like a New Yorker thing to say. So someone wants rigged. Here you go, Anthony. What was the name of Rudolph's dog sled driving friend? Cornelius. Yes. There you go. Okay. Now, now you have a point now. Okay. So it's all right. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to my two-year-old. <laughs> you practically you are. Now, but, but, you know. All right, let's see. What movie tells the story of an unemployed ball player intending to commit suicide on Christmas Eve? It's a birth of life! It's a birth of life! 
Anthony got that one. Yes! It's not, uh, that's not the answer. What? Okay, say it <laughs> again. Ball, an unemployed oh, he's a, he works ball at a bank. player. You're right. Intending to commit suicide on Christmas Eve. I never uh, heard of it. weapon. Uh, no, nope. it's meet John Doe. That's a terrible question. All right, here's oh, a better one. I've never heard of that. In the song that Jingle Bells, Sorry. in the song Jingle Bells, who is seated by my side? Is Mary Beth? No. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys would know this one. I don't. I feel I'm, I feel de- deeply embarrassed you. right now. But- Fanny Bright. So Miss Fanny, Fanny Bright. Bright was seated by my side. All right. Let's see. Let me find one that you guys can get here. Can we, get a, can we pick a new card? Yeah. Can we pick a new card? All right, here you go. Because you guys wrongly think that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. So, in Die Hard, what seasonal activity did the terrorists interrupt? Christmas Eve party! Christmas oh, party. Party. party! An office Christmas party. Yes, Anthony, there you go. Now you won. It's not rigged. Wait, hope you feel does better. it have to be? I said Christmas party. Yeah, but I heard him first. That counts. Why only two questions? Why aren't we playing first to five? Okay, first to five then. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, so here we go. Okay. And this officially, if I guess if that's an official Die Hard is a Christmas movie card, this is an official It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie card. So we can all take our lumps. Did any part of It's a Wonderful Life take place in New York City? No. 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 Tom got it. What? I clearly said that first. Yeah, you did. No, I was just messing with you. No, you <laughs> Anthony first. It was Anthony first. I was just messing with you because, you know, it's fun. <laughs> I already told you guys how competitive I was. Don't do this to me. <laughs> okay, here we go. After rocking around the Christmas tree, what kind of pie will we have? Pumpkin. Yes, pumpkin. Good job. Or, or if you listen to the right version. Are you serious? I'll send it to you. It's what it sounds like. All right. Here's another one. Because so I guess right now it's technically three to two, but uh, to zero. Sorry, Julia. <laughs> In oh, it's a wonderful <laughs> life. Who starred as George Bailey? Jay Stewart. Yep. Tom. Good. Three three. All tied up. Almost. Sorry, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Oh no, that's a hard one. All right. Here we go. What Carol? Let's do the hard one. You want the hard one? It, all right, hard one. Let's embarrass ourselves. All right. What were the names of the male entertaining team in White Christmas? Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. <laughs> and it's true. Fred and George. What were the character names? It's badly. I like, the, I like that we're going to. Uh, I, like, I like that Anthony goes right to uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Wallace and Davis. Wallace and Davis. Yep. All right. Here we go. I remember Car- that now. This, is, this one's about a song. So I think Julia has a, the upper hand here as a musician of the three. What carol contains the line, sing choirs of angels, sing an exaltation? Hark the herald angels sing. Angels we've heard on high. What's the question? Contains the line. Glory and excelsious day. Sing choirs of angels, sing an exaltation. Oh, come on, you faithful. Oh, come on, you faithful. Oh, God damn it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Good job, Anthony. That was well earned. Yeah, that was a hard one. All right, here we go. Not about and Christmas carols. For not being a Christmas movie, there sure are tons of Christmas questions about this one. What was the angel's name in It's a Wonderful Life? Clarence. Clarence. Boom. Four, four. Sorry, Julia. <laughs> okay, here's another really great one. What movie's main characters were Fred Gailey, Doris Walker, and Chris Kringle? Oh, it's Miracle on 34th Miracle Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street. Yep. Unfortunately, Anthony got it just a hair before you did. Well done, Anthony. Well done. Oh, All right, there you, you go. Thank you. 
You win. It's all good now. No complaining so now about we're being rigged. Up, now we're tied up 1-1, Anthony, on our, on our head-to-head battles. <laughs> Tom, I love you, man. I want to end <laughs> I, on a positive note. I love you, man. I love you, Jerry. And I love you, Jerry. I love y'all, since too. Since we are approaching Christmas, we're two days away. It is time. We had fun with our grievances. But I really do enjoy doing this show. I have the world's best co-hosts. We have amazing guests. Wait, thank and you, Tom. Almost all of our listeners are out of this world. Julia, do you want to let our listeners know where they can air their grievances or share their Festivus stories or Tibbs Eve stories or Christmas Eve Eve stories? Or... Maybe a few places you can do that at. If you go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Instagram or Facebook or Facebook groups or Twitter or Reddit, um, insert your favorite social media there. It will take you right to your favorite place to chat with our community. Um, and you can do any and all of those things. Although I will say I like I like the praise more than the grievances, but that's just me. Julia, Come you chat didn't even with get us. any grievances. So that person literally said, Julia, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> gave me a pretty good grievance we really enjoy our community and that's how we met jerry in the first place and y'all all all know how awesome jerry is Mm -hmm. so it's a really really great place to connect with the rest of our listener base and the really 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 neat people we've met through this journey um it's also a great place to connect with hosts from other podcasts there's really really good content out there um and you can talk to them as well so Come talk to us, um, post your input to give us ideas for movies to cover, whatever you want. I just wanted to add about our Facebook group. If you like the show, our Facebook group is off the wall. You will have meet some of the most awesome people in that group. It's our most active group. And, you know, you won't be, it really truly is a little mini family we've created. And that is what I think speaking for all three of us, we are most proud of about this show that we've created. Yep, for sure. Tom, where else can they find us? Patreon. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. You want me to expand on that? That's how I feel like when I... Okay, sorry. I've I've been spending way too much time with a four-year-old, and that's what questions are like. Yeah. Uh, We have some great bonus content, including some fun stuff with listeners, like Jerry Davila of Totally Rad Christmas, one of my favorite Christmas podcasts I listen to regularly. Thank you. Um, Double pitch there for Patreon and Jerry. If you're not subscribed to Totally Red Christmas, find him on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can follow his Facebook as well. And he is in our Facebook group so you can communicate directly with Jerry Davila. <laughs> oh, shucks, uh, but on Patreon, we have, great, we have great content, including our newly kicked off Batman, the long Halloween series that we're doing where we're covering each holiday in the batman long halloween arc as they come up so get ready for batman the long halloween new year's coming up next week so we're adding more fun content for you year round and making sure that we hold ourselves accountable to it by doing things like committing to an entire year of a comic book talk so if you want to help the show in a free way leave us a review on itunes uh, we love reading your feedback and your reviews. It's a nice free way, a little free Christmas gift you can give us, especially with Christmas coming up in a few days. And every new review helps new listeners find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year. So next week, in honor of the new year, we are covering Winnie the Pooh, a very merry Pooh year. One which... of my daughter's favorites. <laughs> Everyone loves Winnie the Pooh. We've talked about this before. 
We all love Winnie the Pooh. No one loved Piglet except me, but we all loved Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) Have some fun Winnie the Pooh trivia for y'all about Tom. And Mm. the week after, we kick off TV month, as we always do in January. Stay tuned tomorrow for our annual Christmas Eve story, which is written by yours truly, Mr. Tom Crow, this year. And uh, stay tuned for other fun surprises dropping in the main feed this week. Thank your schedule scheduler who corralled these two for recordings. <laughs> Tom, do you have good news for us? There are only 172,800 seconds until Christmas. That is 2,880 minutes. That means it's only 48 hours. That's only two days. This goes back to an episode that Jerry and I did on Totally Red Christmas. The controversy of what the day before the night before <laughs> the day Christmas before the means. night before Christmas. Yep. <laughs> is this the day before the night before Christmas, or is that could be Christmas Eve day? I don't know. Could be that too. I don't know. It's so ambiguous. All right, folks. <laughs> be sure to get to bed early tomorrow to give the big man plenty of time to slip into your chimney and drop That's some presents. About <laughs> Santa. Really? Christmas Adam. That's some decency, man. You're not getting any pressure. Have you no shame? It was funny, but yeah, yikes. But not appropriate. No, not appropriate. Hi, y'all. It's the day before the night before Christmas. And I'm busy, busy, busy being good. On the day before the night before Christmas. Gonna do everything a good boy should I'm making up a list About ten pages long I'm on page ten now And still going strong It's the day before the night before Christmas And I'm busy, busy, busy being good I'm making up a list about ten pages long. I'm on page ten now and still going strong. It's the day before the night before Christmas. But to do everything I ought to do. Cleaning up and brushing up and washing my ears. Hey, a day isn't long enough. It'll take years. And it's the day before the night before Christmas. I guess what's gonna be is gonna be. You can't fool St. Nick. He's too slick to fall for all the fold or all and all of your tricks. On the day before the night before Christmas, it's no good be good for a day. I've learned something. No good be good for pay. Be good for nothing. Just be good and he'll be good to you. Merry Christmas. Be good, I mean the whole year through. Happy New Year. 